Hello, and welcome to another edition of Pragmatic Live. My name is Paul Young, and I am the Vice President of Products at Pragmatic Marketing. And for the last six years, I've also been an instructor. Uh, with me today, we're joined by two other instructors, Mark Siding and Stacy Weber, who have been with the company for many years, respectively. Today, we're going to peek behind the curtain at Pragmatic Marketing just a little bit and talk about one of my favorite topics, how great it is to be an instructor for Pragmatic Marketing and how we change the world and the trajectory of careers, businesses, and even students' lives via what we teach. There's something really special about standing in front of a room, teaching, and creating that next generation of product leaders. And it's something that I hope will come through as part of today's discussion. And it's something that maybe you, the listener, can become a part of someday as well. So just to kick off, um, I'd like to introduce Mark Siding and Stacey Weber and give them a chance to speak a little bit about their background and what led them up to this point. Uh, and let's start with you first, Mark. Um, talk a little bit about how, how you became an instructor, what kind of led you up to this point, and, uh, and how long you've been with the company. Well, I've been with Pragmatic now for three years, but it turns out that this job actually combined everything I've ever done in my life so far, which is really quite fun because I started out as an engineer. I went into sales. So I was a salesperson for a while, got an MBA, became a professor. So I, I learned how to teach them. I started a company and led that company and worked in pricing for a very long time as well. And I take all of those concepts and bring them together as a pragmatic instructor. And what was really funny was, let's say five years ago now, I had decided I wanted to build a career as a professional speaker. And I was spending a lot of time in Toastmasters. I was learning how to speak really well. And, and of course, I had this content with pricing, which I knew so, so well. And luckily, Pragmatic Marketing came and asked me, hey, could you do a class for us? Things worked out. I became an instructor. And I tell you what, this is the single best job I've ever had in my life. Absolutely love it. That's great. What about you, Stacey? Yeah, I agree, Mark. Absolutely best job ever. I, I, I never even realized that a job this awesome could exist. I, I, I actually started my first job in technology. I was in quality assurance, and uh, that kind of gave me uh, an interesting perspective. In quality assurance, you get to see the results of anything that went wrong in the process, and I think that was really motivating for me to get into product management. And um, I was lucky enough that I was working in a company where after, boy, three or four months of struggling as a, as a new product manager, we kind of stumbled across pragmatic marketing. And so we used our discretionary educational budget and went off to a class and learned the pragmatic marketing way of doing things. Um, we went back to the office, and we had been kind of at a tough point, uh, frankly, in, in terms of company growth. We had hit a point where we were seeing some pretty serious declines, particularly in new license revenue. There was a lot of fear in the hallways. And uh, we came back from the training, and we just started doing what we had learned in class. And lo and behold, we uh, really started a, a pretty big turnaround inside that company, which um, it was great for my career. It was a really fun time in the company, just turning it around and finding new markets and new buyers. And um, I, I practiced the method with pragmatic marketing for about 10 years, and uh, eventually the company I was with had, was going through an acquisition, and I also made the, the decision that I wanted to go out and 
uh, really spend more time speaking and writing. And uh, I went to a conference and talked about how we had used pragmatic marketing. Uh, I wanted to tell people about this this approach and what it had done for our company. And it just so happens there was a pragmatic marketing instructor there, and uh, that kind of started the hiring process for me. So I've been, I'll actually celebrate my 10-year anniversary this year with Pragmatic. That's amazing, 10 years. You had a chance to impact a lot of students, that's for sure. Something that that, that was kind of similar for me, uh, to your story, Stacey, I actually started my career as as an engineer. Actually, if you go back even further, my undergraduate degree is in film, and then I became a software engineer, and now I teach marketing. There's no there's no common path into product management, which is what I which is what I always find kind of humorous about the people that we that we find in our classes is that they come from this this huge variety of backgrounds. And after doing this for a while, I realized that I didn't necessarily like having to implement somebody else's vision. I, I like to have my hand on the wheel a little bit. I like to drive, and that kind of attracted me into a product management role. And you know, one day my my VP of engineering basically came to me and said, hey, Paul, you know, your software development skill set, you know, it kind of is not so good. So I'm going to turn you into a product manager. And I said, well, okay, great. Uh, what's the product manager? And he said, I have no idea. Why don't you go to this pragmatic training and find out? And so I went to a pragmatic training, and I used what I learned, kind of like you were talking about, Stacey, to, uh, to structure my career. And uh, everything I learned kind of led me to this point. And uh, that, that was – that was my story, and I really, I really enjoyed uh, getting to this point with, with Pragmatic where I can teach the next generation of leaders. So something I was curious for, uh, for both of you guys, you both taught, you know, thousands of students um, over your years with Pragmatic Marketing, and I'm sure you've met some memorable characters and found yourself in memorable situations. Uh, I was wondering if you could reflect on one of those. For, for the listeners on this podcast and, you know, maybe tell us about a, a particular student who you found memorable or a situation you found yourself in uh, that was interesting and maybe a little bit outside of the uh, outside of the norm. Stacey, go ahead and go first this time. All right. All right. Yeah, I actually – our listening to you, you two both talk reminded me of a story that kind of, for me, kind of represents what it means to be in this job in that – um, I was in I was in a hotel somewhere in Canada. Um, I think it might have been Ottawa, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, got into this hotel and uh, get in the elevator, and I was just going back to my room for the night I, after teaching for the day. And this woman in the elevator said, "Stacy," and I looked at her and I knew I recognized her, but I couldn't pull up a name. She's like, "You taught me last year," and she she tells me the class she was in and. And I just have to tell you that I've been using this method, and I I just can't believe the the difference that it's made. So here it is, a random person. Neither one of us are in the city we live in or the city where I taught her class. A random elevator, and it just comes out at you, like what a difference that you're actually making in people's lives and in their companies. And that's, uh, for me, that's a a great story about why this is an awesome job. Oh, I agree with that one. Now, mine wasn't quite so random, though, Steve. I showed up at a at a place that was in Austin, Texas, and I'm sitting in a restaurant one night, and, and someone from the company that I happened to be teaching that time, but I taught them a year earlier. They came up and oh, I can't tell you how great things are going. I love, love what you guys taught us. It's just amazing to get those experiences. Now, I have to say, Paul, though, the real memorable ones are the challenging students, the reason why we get paid to do this job. And it's the, it's the ones where maybe they want to co-teach with us, maybe they want to work hard to – 
to show how smart they are, and, and we get to earn our keep trying to keep the class under control. That's right. I, I think we've all had some, uh, I don't want to say difficult, but maybe challenging students from time to time, you know, people who maybe are aspiring instructors, <laughs> and they yes. you know, they feel like they're about to get up out of their seat and, and, and come teach the class with us. But, you know, as another, uh, as another instructor uh, who works here said, I'll paraphrase them, you know, they're not here to hear other students. Um, they're here to learn pragmatic marketing and uh, and some of the stuff that we teach. And so, you know, we we always have to have techniques to uh, to deal with that. But um, uh, so, something that happened for me, uh, and and I think almost every instructor has a version of this story, is that you know a couple of a uh, couple of quarters ago, I got an email from a student that I taught many years ago, probably my first my first year uh, on the job in, in 2010 or 11. And he emailed me and said, hey, Paul, I, I just – I haven't reached out to you in several years. I don't even know if you remember me. I was in your class many years ago at company XYZ, and I was just starting in product management. i have been doing it for a couple of years, and I was kind of lost. And I went to this class, and I kind of found my way. And he said, since that point in time, I've instituted some of the things that, that, that I learned in class, and I went to some more of your trainings. And it's had a big impact. Um, I've uh, used what I learned inside my company, and, and I just wanted to let you know that I just got promoted. And now I just moved to a different company, and I'm the director of product management at my new company. And I have a team of 10 product managers now that I'm, that I'm training and hiring. And do you know anybody good <laughs> that I could add to my team? I'm desperate for people that are, that are certified and actually know how to do this stuff. And, you know, that always kind of gives me that, that, that tingly feeling inside that says, wow, you know, what, what I explain to people, uh, other executives, people always ask me, hey, Paul, you know, why, why did you stop doing product management so you can go teach? You know, because people always have that sort of lame joke about if you can't, if you can't do, those who can't do teach. Right. And, and I say, you know, and I say, you know, that, that, that's kind of, that's kind of not how I view it. Because in a normal career, if you stayed in your sort of nine-to-five job, you know, you might work at, let's just call it a dozen companies throughout your career. You might have direct contact with, if you're lucky, maybe a thousand coworkers, and you might be able to mentor uh, some small number of them and have an impact on them. So let's say you can have a direct impact on a thousand people uh, in your career if you work in a regular job. As a pragmatic instructor, I get to touch that many people in just a couple of months, and I get to have a, a measurable and demonstrable impact on their lives and on their job, and, they, and I get those emails out down the road, and people say, oh, I'm so happy, and the things that you taught me uh, have, have helped me in my career, and I'm so successful now, and I love what I do, and it's, it's thanks to, it's to you and the pragmatic and what I learned in the class. And, and I always find that really compelling, and that's one of the things that sort of gets me up in the morning to, to go do it again. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's paying it forward, really. I mean, I look at my career, and my direction and trajectory entirely changed just by by getting the words from pragmatic marketing to to do like what I instinctually thought I understood, but to have the words to explain it to people around me and to actually get the job done and make a, a true difference in revenue and profit, right? And and having that gift of the framework and now being able to give it back to more people, it's it's very gratifying for me. I do have to add one more thing though, Paul. The other great thing about this job, I love the emails you get three months, six months, a year later, how about all the glory at the end of the day? Well over half the class comes up and says, awesome class, loved it, best day I've ever had. 
and, and it's consistent and it's fun. Uh, yes, exactly, exactly. I was teaching last last week or the week before, and I got to the end of the day and they applauded. And I don't I don't know if this happens to you guys or if it's something about the way I wrap up, but when people applause and after I've taught them a class, I'm like, wow, that's um, I made a difference for them. Right. I can't remember ever going through a class and applauding the teacher. I have a random question for you, for you both of you. Um, what was your very first speaking event? Very first time you got in front of an audience. With pragmatic or in general? Ever in your life. Oof. Mark, you go ahead on that one. I have that was so long ago. I would have no idea. You know, I was a professor for a while. I used to teach scuba diving when I was in my twenties. I've been in front of rooms my whole life. Yeah, I had a student ask me this a couple weeks ago, and it got me thinking. Uh, a conservation speaking contest when I was in third grade. Plus, I guess yeah. I was the youngest in my family, so I've probably been doing it my whole life, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I want to go back to a topic we were talking about a second ago, Paul. And if you're comfortable sharing this, can you tell our listeners what's our business model? Because I think that is so powerful. And if you're not sure what I'm talking about, I'll share it. Why don't you get started and I'll add color commentary as we go. So when I became an instructor, what I was told was, when you do a good job today, you're going to train these people to become great product managers. And they're going to get promoted. And they're going to get a team. And they're going to send their team to pragmatic training. And so the work we do today, make sure that we have business five years from now. And the reason I love that so much is because it says my goals are 100% aligned with the goals of the students in that room. They want to be promoted as much as I want them to be promoted. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. We we, uh, we actually talk about that uh, at the executive team uh, level. We, We refer to it internally sometimes as the sort of Lion King circle of life um, because mm-hmm. a student comes comes to class, they, they they love what they hear, they implement it back at the office, they see success, they get promoted or leave to go to another company, and then they have a team of their own, which they want to have the same success that they have, so they send them to training. And then those people start the circle all over again. Um, a huge percentage of our business at Pragmatic Marketing comes via word-of-mouth referral, and one of the things that we recognize is that that referral engine only works if the quality and the experience that students get when they come to class is the best. We, we want people to feel like they can walk out of the room at the very first break on the very first day after spending no more than 90 minutes with us. And they can say, wow, this is the best experience in terms of training and professional development that I've ever had in my life. And we want them to be able to remember that experience and feel it for the rest of their careers. And, and that's what causes that circle of life to, to continue to engage. And they do that. How often on that first break do you hear people say, I've got my money's worth now? Only every single class. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Or I've been doing this for 15 years. I have my MBA. And this was the best half day I've ever spent in training. Right. Yes. Right. And that's one of those things that sometimes people who haven't come to training yet, at least our training, they don't really understand because you hear people saying who haven't been to training saying things like, oh, you know, well, I got my MBA. And 
an MBA is wonderful. You'll never hear me looking down on an MBA. You learn a lot of really valuable stuff in an MBA, and you get to network with people uh, who are of like mind and, and really smart and so on. MBA is fantastic. And MBA is also uh, takes a long time to get. It's really expensive, and it touches very heavily on the, the theories and, and aspects behind uh, what goes into the, the various business models and segmentation and so on. And, and having that acad- academic grounding and theoretical is really fantastic. We focus a little bit different. We focus on practical and actionable because we're going to have students for a, a relatively short period of time, a, a couple of days. And we, we want people to walk out of that room being able to say, here are the top one, two, three things that I need to go do today to make a big impact on my job and to, and to help me get to that next step. <clears throat> and so for us, it's always about how can we hand them something, a, a skill, a template, a piece of learning that's going to arm them the, the next day they leave training, not at some point in the future. So something I wanted to ask both of you, um, and Stacey, maybe I'll start with you, is when you're standing in front of a room and you've got a room of students uh, coming to pragmatic training and maybe you have 30 students, 40 students, however many you have, how do you know when you look out across the room that students are really getting it? And what are what are the kind of signals that, that you see there? Oh, you see a lot of people. Well, I'll tell you the the very the first thing when I know that like I'm I'm connecting, everybody's leaning forward, people are engaged. Yeah. Um, they're they're stopping me with questions if they have them. They're they're saying, oh, this makes complete sense. And if you're at a if you're at an onsite at a at one company teaching, um, those people are saying that makes complete sense. What would have happened if we did this last year on this project? And I mean, people are engaged. It's a it's a clear body language. It's a clear communication. Yeah, I have to agree completely. Um, I do find though sometimes students are so engaged in writing notes, and you can see them their they're heads down, they're writing, they're writing. It makes the room feel like it's quiet, even though you can tell that it's not. Everybody's truly engaged and working hard, trying to make sure they get the content. You can really feel that focus sometimes. Absolutely. Of course, it helps that, course it helps that we uh, we also have a test at the end of the day, and so they want to pass the test. Um, but I agree, you can really see that uh, you can really see that focus coming through when people are trying to keep up with the topics. You know, we we don't have a slow pace, right? You know, we have to uh, we have to keep going. We have a lot of stuff to cover, but you know, I, I see that intent. So sometimes I look out across the audience and I see I see these kind of like furrowed brows where you can just you can almost see the gears turning in their heads as they take something that we were just talking about, and you can almost see them mentally applying it uh, to the situation that they're facing back there at the office. And, and those are oftentimes the people that come up to me you know, during a break at lunch or after class to say, hey. Uh, you were talking about market segmentation today during the uh, the earlier part, and, and I'm faced with a project back at the office right now where we're doing exactly that. And, and I just had a, a couple of quick questions for you. Do you, do you mind helping me out? And, and it's almost like um, I tell people who come to class, it's, all, it's almost like group therapy for product teams because yes. they get to sit around a whole bunch of other people who are, who are just like them, who have the same challenges and same interests, and uh, and they really care about their job. and yeah, that, that's why they, they, they get such a great impact when, when they come and they, and they hear us speak. I think the other way that you can tell, and this is pretty universal across most classes, almost nobody 
is on email or on their cell phone. Yeah, very true. So something I wanted to uh, to kind of pose to both of you guys is, you know, b- both of you were, you know, executives, entrepreneurial. Uh, you had very successful careers uh, before you came to Pragmatic. Why would an executive who is on a successful career path, they're climbing the ladder, they're doing all the things in the corporate world that you would expect, why would somebody like that ever leave that to become an instructor? I think you said it best earlier, Paul, in, in the, the level of impact that you're able to provide in this job is much greater than what you could make within the confines of a company. Um, and plus, you know, leaving the 150 emails a day, the the 15 hours of meetings a week, I, I, that wasn't, you know, very hard for me either, I guess. Describe then, Stacey, since you described the other side of the equation, what a typical executive week looks like, you know, hundreds of emails a day, conference calls with, you know, another part of the world early in the morning or late night, you know, on your iPhone doing email, you know, until all hours. What does it look like for an instructor then? Uh, you know, there's, I mean, the, the work, the weeks where you're working, you are traveling and teaching and you're in the classroom and um, frankly, that's a full day. <laughs> so traveling and teaching um, and in the off weeks, we tend to, um, I guess we, we kind of have different job assignments, right? I, I help with sales, so I do some sales calls on, on my off weeks, but they're kind of random hours, flexible hours, uh, and working from my home, um, which has its own benefits. And how many how many work emails would you say are typical on a week for you or Mark? I think you probably get more. Yeah, I would say that probably that's probably true. I've, I'm probably at maybe a hundred a week with because I'm on a lot of sales uh, informational requests and that kind of thing. Yeah, I'd be shocked if I get twenty emails a week that I have to do anything with. I'd be really shocked. Right. But but I want to go back to your original question. If I were gonna, so if I were talking to executives and trying to say, help them decide if they wanted to be a pragmatic marketing instructor or not. I think what I would ask them is, what do you want to do? What's your goal? Why do you do it? I have good friends who are executives in companies, and they love building things, and they would not make good pragmatic marketing instructors because to them it's all about the thing they built. I think there's a lot of executives out there that care a lot about the teams they build, about the impact they have in the world, and I think those type of executives really would make great pragmatic marketing instructors because what we do is we give them an opportunity to have huge impact in the world. That's very well said. Yeah, I mean, you become much more focused on the the pragmatic marketing method and approach and much more focused on enabling people um, rather than building that business yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, different. Yeah. So once a year, we get together with the entire instructor team because, you know, for the, for the listeners, we're, we're as instructors, we're spread all over the, the, the U.S. right now. Uh, Mark <laughs> lives out west in, in Reno. Uh, you know, Stacy lives up north. I live in Austin. And we have instructors who are, who are all over. Uh, but once a year, <clears throat> because of our remote nature, we don't get that as much of the face-to-face as, we, uh, as a typical in-the-office type employee. So once a year, we all get together. 
uh, and we have a, a, a week where, as instructors, we get to actually spend some time together. Uh, we call it an instructor retreat. And there's something really special that I find when you take a room full of people that have that personality to be a, a, a pragmatic marketing instructor, and you put them together uh, into a room. And you get to see the interactions between a, a bunch of really, really smart, really motivated people. And uh, I was wondering if you guys could d- describe what that's like a little bit when, you, when we sit in a room together and uh, are having those interactions. Do I have to say good things or am I allowed to say bad things too? <laughs> we'll take those. Preferably good. Good would be good. <laughs> so it's actually a blast in the sense that, that we don't get to spend a lot of time with all the other instructors. And this is our one chance to – actually sit and socialize and meet them and their spouses and learn all about the families. Uh, so that's amazing. And everybody has a different style to teaching, a different approach. It's kind of funny that that we'll bring up a slide, one of the slides in one of the decks, and, and everybody has to say, oh, here's how I teach it. And it's interesting because you get to hear that there are so many different mm-hmm. approaches to get that one point across. And, and we get to pick and choose. Yeah, and it's the the interaction with the instructor team is like, in many ways, it's like being home. I mean, there's all of these these jokes that we make and these concepts that are just tightly entwined in the way we think. And using those concepts around your family, I think they get a little sick of me sometimes. And <laughs> right, and you get together with the instructors, like everybody gets your jokes. You can like make that one reference to one thing in the in the framework and get a laugh from everyone. Uh, it's um, uh, definitely a bunch of like-minded individuals on a common journey. Right. Yeah, you could say, you know, just like on slide 57, you know, the Olympic circles or, you know, whatever. And everybody knows yep. immediately what you're talking about. There's a, there's a shorthand uh, that exists within the instructor team. But w- what I always find really fascinating is the um, – l- l- like you said, Mark, everybody has their own taste. And everybody has, you know, a little bit of their own style in terms of delivery. You know, we, we like to be consistent in what we teach, um, but everybody has their own uh, uh, style of how to get that out there. And it's always really fascinating for me to see that interaction and, and hear everybody's own take on, on, you know, how to deliver a point uh, and how to get that across into the, into the minds of the students and how to get people to take that home with them and start to implement it. It, it almost feels to me like a, like a marketing master class. Whenever you step into a room with the uh, with the instructor team, uh, because everybody is just super smart and and has a big variety of experiences and backgrounds, and it's just really fun. It's fun for me to 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 get that experience, and I look forward to it uh, every time we do it. So something I wanted to just explore really quick was the uh, the mentorship process because that's that's something that a lot of people don't hear about. You know, because when they come to class, by the time they get to class, usually somebody is a full-on instructor. Um, but people aren't necessarily born an instructor. You know, we have to get them up to be instructors because we have a lot of content that we teach, and we have um, a very high bar of quality uh, because of that circle of life thing we were talking about earlier. And so uh, I was wondering if you guys could uh, reflect on your uh, uh, either mentorship or protege uh, process that you've gone through. And uh, maybe talk a little bit about that and, and tell us what was interesting about that process. When I got hired, uh, I was assigned to a mentor and started traveling with him. Uh, you know, the, in the beginning, I did a couple of um, trips where I was just watching him and taking notes 
and then in the evenings we would talk about really the points and what you were really trying to get across with different stories or examples. Um, we then spent some time where we just really got some isolation. Um, when I actually went and, and stayed at his house for a while, and we went through different slides. And the, and the, the idea there is that um, if you if you can look at a slide and you really understand the point that you're supposed to be delivering on that slide, then you have a lot of latitude to add in different stories, different examples, use your own style. And so we spent a lot of isolated time just really understanding the points, getting deep in conversation about those. And then as I started to get up to speed, I would take on one section at a time. Uh, my, my mentor was very kind in that he knew that whoever taught the first section of the day was going to become the favorite. And so whenever, when, I was the, when I was really training, he would have me often start with that first section so that uh, you kind of get the audience to have that connection to you. And then as you went over time, I would just teach more and more sections of the content until um, during a ferocious snowstorm on the East Coast, I was certified um, and then became a, an instructor. Uh, basically what that means is that you're allowed, you're not going to do any big damage, you're allowed in the classroom by yourself. But that, I would say the first year of teaching on your own is just a c continuation of the learning process. Um, there would be times where I would call other instructors and say, you know, this this particular area is confusing to me. Can you help? And um, just getting getting better at delivering the whole set of content. Yeah, I have to say my experience was was pretty much identical. Now, Paul was my mentor, so I have to say nice things about my mentor. Um, it was <laughs> a really good experience. <laughs> but but um, and, and we ate a lot. Oh, wait, can I tell it a side quick story? Chicken sure. wings, chicken fingers. So we would go to restaurants and order chicken wings, and I loved the drumstick part, and I was always really, really nice and didn't eat all the drumsticks, and I shared half of them with Paul. And it turns out that we're teaching together for four months or so, and finally one day he says, well, I really like the knuckles better. It's like, oh, four months I was eating the dang knuckles, and I could have been eating the drumsticks. <laughs> you missed out, sorry. So, uh, but overall, the experience was really fun because Paul and I got to know each other really well. We worked well together, and and he brought me up to speed on the content, on delivery techniques, and even today, I still, you know, I still have new ahas on the content. It's like, oh yeah, that really feels good there. I, I think it takes a really long time to become a super super expert on this on the content to to get it yeah. really deep. The learning so, process yeah. never ends, even for instructors. You know, we're always continuously yeah. learning. And, and one of the things that I found fascinating is when I mentored Mark, is as a mentor, you're not just teaching, you're also learning. And there's an amazing amount that you can learn by teaching someone else how to teach it. And, you know, I picked up stuff from, from Mark, and his Mark's got a really great background in, in public speaking and, and, and some of the experiences he, he's had in his life that I still use today. Uh, when I teach, uh, little reminders that I give myself or notes and, and things like that. And so it, it's a it's a two-way street uh, for sure because we have a lot of smart people. But um, the one thing I remember the most from mentoring Mark, you know, you told a food story, and now I have to as well, uh -oh. is in every city that we would go to, whether we were in uh, – where did we go in Michigan? Um, East Lansing. East Lansing. We were East Lansing, Michigan, down to Austin, Texas, and everywhere in between. Um Whenever we were in a class, we would always ask the class, where is the best place 
in this city to go and get some good barbecue. And it was always fascinating to see the variety of answers in the class. You know, you're in East Lansing, Michigan, which is not necessarily known for barbecue. And you ask that question, and people look at you like, Barbara, what? Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then we get down to Austin, and we ask that question, what's a, what's a good place, you know, around here to go, to, bar- to go get some barbecue? And it was almost like a riot broke out on the floor as people were jumping over each other <laughs> to give suggestions and debating, and, no, that place sucks. You don't want to go there. You need to go over here. Oh, no, that place is off. And it just went on like that, this discussion, for five or ten minutes. It was a lot of fun. Um, but that's something I'll always remember is uh, seeking out the best barbecue joints in all of these places all over the U.S. with Mark. So I guess the lesson to mentor protege is you eat a lot? <laughs> you know, that's true. You got to uh, – one of the things that we, we talk about internally sometimes is, you know, almost like the freshman 15 when you go to college, there's probably like a first year – maybe not 15, but a first year set of pounds that you got to look out for to become an instructor because you got to learn how to live on the road. Um, as you guys have, have lived on the road uh, over the years, um, and, and now you're definitely road warriors, you know, what, what, have, what have been some lessons that, that, that you've learned uh, when it comes to traveling many weeks per year? My mentor gave me a really good lesson when I started. Um, he had been teaching for many years. He had reached some points where he had been very unhealthy on the road, and he said, what you have to do is you have to, you have to make this your home. When you get to the hotel, you set the hotel up the same, you set your room up the same way every time so you know where things are. Uh, bring the things that you enjoy, right? If you enjoy music, bring carry good speakers with you so that you can bring that and you can enjoy it in your room. And uh, and take the time to actually eat, right? Like you have, you have to eat good meals. And it's it's always a jo- we joke a lot about the restaurants we go to or the the good food we get, but it's it, in reality that you have to make sure that you take care of yourself in order to really keep that keep your energy up and have enough energy to pour into the room every day. I like those. Probably my biggest lesson was learning to pack. I pack identically every single week, without exception. The same same color pants, same color shirt, same color socks. It was it is now a a routine. It's a uniform. Yes. It is a uniform. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, now I do want to say something about your freshman fifteen comment though, Paul. I got to bring this up. Uh, pragmatic marketing, when we put on public classes, we make it really hard to stay on a diet because the True. food is so amazing. Oh, and, and I've, I had to get into the habit that just says, look, I don't eat any of the sweets, period. I don't eat the snacks. I don't eat the sweets. It's just not going to happen. Because as soon as you try yeah. it, it's like, well, let me try that one. Yeah, it, 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 it's all, it all sounds good until they roll out the pretzels. The hot, pretz- the hot pretzels with the mustard. Yeah. Then, then, you're, then you're in trouble. <laughs> but I definitely we all have our weaknesses. Yeah, yeah, we all do. You know, whether it's M and M's pretzels. We, I was teaching a few a few months ago, and and uh, our team had set up a smoothie station for, and oh. they had somebody like like you know how sometimes they have the omelet station, well they had a smoothie station where they had a guy behind a bar making custom smoothies for our students. And uh, that was really – I will admit that I did not stay away from that. I went and got a, I went and got a custom strawberry something smoothie. It was amazing. Nice. So 
out of you, you guys have traveled not just in the U.S. We go all over the world. Um, what has been one of the the most interesting places that you've traveled, or one of your favorite places? And uh, and what was that experience like uh, going to uh, some of the far flung places around the world? Well, I'd have to say my single favorite, just because it was so unique and interesting, is I got to go to Oslo, Norway once. And it was late spring, so it was light until very late at night. I would get out of class, and I would just walk through the city of Oslo, and it was just amazing, uh, the different parks they had, how green everything was. It was still cold and rainy, and yet everybody seemed to be riding bicycles. There weren't that many cars around. And then you see... And you've always seen Scandinavian furniture in Ikea. And you go into these classrooms and it's got Scandinavian furniture. Go figure. So it's just such an interesting experience and I really enjoyed that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that those places, the places where you wouldn't normally have gone and where the cities like Oslo were, what would have ever brought you there if it weren't for work? And right. the, uh, I had one of those um, just a, a few months, maybe six months ago, um, Gothenburg, Sweden, uh, was an absolutely beautiful city. It was just uh, very amazing. And, of course, when you fly outside of North America, you have to fly in a day early to have a little time to recover. So that also means you have a little bit of time to explore, which was nice. Um, But just a really very beautiful city with uh, canals and small streets. It does sound amazing. I haven't been there yet, but... It's on my list. Mark, Mark told me one time that he, his goal was to go to every country once. Yes, once. <laughs> Check it off the list. I don't um, need to go a second time. I'm okay. Does there a layover in the so, country count then for you, Mark, or, or not? No, I don't think so. I don't think that counts. All right. I think that would be cheating. Yeah, yeah. you got to actually visit the place to see it. So when I, when I think of places that, that were really interesting to me, a couple have come to mind. Um, Stacey, you mentioned places you wouldn't normally go. Uh, I found myself delivering uh, two weeks of training for a company in Nottingham, England, uh, which many people remember from Robin Hood. And it, it is. They have the Sherwood Forest and they have the all the stuff there. But it, it's not really a tourist destination, but it was kind of fun to, uh, to say I've been to Nottingham. Um, but the most interesting place that I've been is probably a tie for me uh, between Hong Kong and Singapore uh, because <clears throat> those places were just super interesting to me. I love the culture, um, and I got to walk around just like you did because I got, I got there a little early on both of those trips. And uh, in Hong Kong, I walked around, and they have the uh, Hollywood sort of walk of fame, kind of like they do in, 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 in Hollywood. They have it in, in Hong Kong because they shoot a lot of movies there. And if you walk along the, the Walk of Fame, they have the stars uh, in the ground. But eventually you come to this huge, larger-than-life statue of a guy doing Kung Fu. And it's Bruce Lee. It's the Bruce Lee statue uh, commemorating his, his life. And so I, I, got a, I got a picture in front of the Bruce Lee statue, you know, doing a you know, Kung Fu chop or something. And so that, that one went into the memoirs. And then when I was in Singapore, uh, I was teaching a class the week after in San Francisco, and it didn't make sense to fly from Singapore back to Texas, where I live, and then go back to San Francisco the next day. And so I stayed over for a couple of days in in Asia, and I had a chance for three or four days just to decompress. And so I went over into Indonesia, and I hopped on a little fishing boat, and it took me on about a two-, three-hour ride down to this private island in the middle of Indonesia, uh, where it was 
like an eco-resort, and it was completely off the grid, and no Wi-Fi, no cell coverage, just a little set of, of grass huts that were hanging out above the water on this private island that was about an acre or two or three uh, in size. And it was beautiful, and I just got to sit there and look at the sunset and eat fish and just sort of decompress after a long trip and then and then hop back on the plane and, and go do it all over again. And uh, that's something that um, uh, my wife probably hates me for now, but I will always remember Because <laughs> <laughs> I got some time without kids, and that was always fun. All right, cool. So – I've been asking all the questions. Did you, did you guys have any other thoughts or, or things that would be interesting for, for the people listening to know about being an instructor or things that maybe we should be telling them? I can't think of anything right now. If Stacy talks, I might think of something. Well, you know, I was just thinking that when I've had friends uh, apply for, for this job, that in the conversation with them, I always kind of warn them that you know, you do you have to be prepared. Um Sometimes you get in travel, and sometimes it feels like something happens in your personal life whenever you're on the road, and you go through periods like that. And so, I mean, really recognizing that having the support system to help us be on the road and then really appreciating that support system can be invaluable as an instructor. Does that make sense? It really does. Yes, it really does. When when. When you become an instructor, it's not just you. It's your family as well. And so, you know, as a business, we respect that, or we, we definitely try to bake that into what we do. And, you know, it's something that as people go through the process of becoming an instructor, they have to they have to recognize as well. Um, it's not just you. It's your family. And it's a – I think one of the things that Mandy and I and my wife had a lot of discussions on when we started down this, this journey um, six years ago was – the amount of of time that you get to spend with the family. And, and when you're doing a 9 to 5, you know, it's not really 9 to 5. It's probably 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. when you consider all the other time that you spend doing things like email and, and conference calls. Um, and so, you know, is your home time really your home time? And one of the things I like about being an instructor is that when you're gone, you know, you're really gone because you're physically not there. Um, and your focus is entirely on teaching and giving the students the best experience ever. Um, and then when you get home, we as a business try to really respect that time and limit the amount of ask that we put on our instructors for times when they're home because we bake that into what we do. That's time to recharge. That's time to be with your family. That's time to do drop off your dry cleaning and go to the dentist and do all the other stuff that you can't do physically when you're on the road. Uh, and so it's it's just really important to uh, to reflect on that as as you become an instructor to think about you know your, your overall time it's probably about the same maybe even a little bit more when you're an instructor uh, with your family but it comes in chunks now it's not every day and that's a little bit different for most people. We probably also want to mention the amount of travel that happens because it seems like the company's trying to keep us at home at least one week a month which is really nice. But every once in a while you get these stints. My first quarter this year, I wasn't home for the entire quarter. I was home on weekends, and that was it. And sometimes yeah. weekends meant I flew home Saturday and I flew out Sunday, which was just brutal. But you know, we needed to do it, and so I did it. Yeah. You know, without getting too much into the operations of, of exactly how we structure the team and, and, and what we do, we, we 
we try to build into what we do a, a structure in terms of staffing and, and so on that allows us to uh, not have you experience what you experience. But sometimes it happens. Sometimes demand and growth take us up uh, to a level where we uh, we have to stress the team, and then we add people to the team, which we're doing now. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, you know, our goal is, on average, that instructors should be home about one week a month and then teaching out the other three. Um, but, you know, everything looks good on paper, then you actually have to go and do it. And, and sometimes going and doing it requires things that, that go above and beyond. And sometimes, you know, demand is weak because, you know, and maybe Europe goes on vacation during the month of August, and so there's not as much training out there, and so, you know, volume goes down. Uh, and so there, there's all sorts of things that, that, that happen that affect uh, demand and how much people are on the road. But, you know, one of the things that really sets instructors apart, in my mind, is that they're really flexible and they – they're all willing to do whatever it takes to, to make the business succeed. And, you know, we go do it, and there's a great relationship between everybody on the team and, and the business. And that's something I try really hard to, to keep. I guess if there's right. one more thing I would share with the instructor, with, with anybody who's thinking about potentially being an instructor, is how amazing our headquarters team is. Because our headquarters team does everything they possibly can to make our job easy. They deal with all the logistics and all the shipping and all of our reservations. And pretty much we get on an airplane, we get into a hotel room, we stand up in front of a room, and we talk. And it's it's awesome what they do for us. Yeah. That's very true. So so what do you so, – so let me ask it a different way. What do you not have to do as an instructor? Go to an office. <laughs> so you don't have to go to an office. Uh, you don't have to book your own travel. You know, we've got people to help with that. You mm-hmm. don't have to deal with the hotel and the uh, the staff and getting everything set up. A lot of that's arranged in advance. Um, you know, you don't you have to do the on-site do... portion. Yep, exactly. Um, you don't have to deal with shipping, you know, materials to and from the site. Um, there's, there's all sorts of stuff that you don't have to do because we have people who do that. Uh, we have an event logistics team who are fantastic. And their whole job is to make that process smooth. And so that's one, that's one of the things that's a really good call out, uh, that when we talk about delivery of our product, which is training, uh, then it's more than just an instructor. It's everything. And it's the uh, it's how easy we are to do business with, which is embodied in sales. Uh, it's the event logistics team and, and, and them working with the, the site that we're going to to make sure everything is there on time and, in the right quantities and with the right quality so that we have a great experience for the students. It's the food, the amazing food that comes out on the breaks that we try to stay away from because it's so good. It's all that stuff. And uh, that that's something that, you know, our whole business is about. And, and we, we, we do it very, very well, which is which is why so much of our business comes out of referral. And, and one of the big ones that you didn't mention here, Paul, you remember that I, I was trying to become a professional speaker, and I would set up my own classrooms I would recruit people, bring them in, take the money. Boy, in this job, the instructors, we don't do any of that. We don't do any marketing. We don't do any sales. Okay, Stacy helps a little bit with sales, but most of us don't do any sales. Um, it's that's, it's that's amazing. That's because I want to. <laughs> <laughs> right, and you're good at it. You help the sales team. All right, good. Well, Stacy, Mark, I want to thank you guys. This is a great Great conversation. I hope that uh, the people listening enjoyed it as well. Um, when I was mentoring 
Mark, uh, he told me something that really stuck with me. You know, a couple months into it, he said, wow, this is really the best job in the world. Uh, and, and I completely agree. Uh, it, it's a rare occasion that you get to do work that you love with great people and feel like you're having a real impact uh, on the world. And, and I think that's what Pragmatic offers to, uh, to instructors and people who do this, do this job. So for you, the listener, uh, if you've sat through today's conversation and it's resonated with you, uh, perhaps you could envision yourself as a Pragmatic Marketing Instructor. And as it happens, I'm looking for the next great instructor to add to our team. And maybe that person is you. So if that piques your interest, uh, I would encourage you to go to pragmaticmarketing.com and go to our careers page and apply to start that discussion. And hopefully, we will see you in front of a class someday experiencing the same rush that we just talked about. And for uh, Mark, Stacy, and myself, I want to say thank you to all of you, and we'll talk to you soon.